How did a seven-year journey of disenchantment with traditional allopathic healthcare modalities and a frustrating trial and error with holistic-slash-alternative practices lead a one-time aspiring doctor to find the effective missing link between gut healing, pathogen elimination, psychological healing, and inner work? What is the impact of increased levels of glyphosate and mercury on neurodevelopmental disorders such as ADHD and autism? And what is Jyoti Mineral Balancing? How might this unique combination of detoxification, hair analysis, mineral nutrition, and functional medicine help clients manage brain fog, optimize gut health, and tap into deeper meditation and states of flow? Stay tuned as we touch on these and many other topics on this week's episode of Untether Your Life. Welcome to Untether Your Life, a show that empowers you to own your own health and break free of templates for managing physical and mental wellness, and looks at key issues impacting the South Asian diaspora. I am your host, Nikhil Torsikar, and I'm passionate about the power of conversation to catalyze change. One of the mantras of this podcast is to own your own health. While conventional modalities such as surgery are very helpful for addressing trauma, optimizing one's health requires a rigorous exploration of alternative approaches. This week's guest, Kyle Pesce, demonstrates the benefits of, quote, ripping up the templates and charting one's health journey when the tried and true comes up short. After resolving his own seven-year health battle with chronic fatigue, brain fog, panic attacks, and other mysterious symptoms, Kyle developed a passion for healing others and alleviating their suffering as well. Certified mineral nutritional balancing practitioner and founder of Jyoti Mineral Balancing, he now uses what he's learned about detoxification, mineral nutrition, hair analysis, and functional medicine to help others not only recover from mysterious ailments, but also regain an ability to thrive in their lives. And with that, let's get untethered. So Kyle, you and I have talked quite a bit offline. You've had quite an incredible journey. Is there anything else you want to add to what I just shared? Well, it's difficult to encapsulate my entire story in a little paragraph, but I think that summarizes it quite well. I guess let, let's just get started by talking about your MO is uh, in, your, in your area of expertise is mineral balancing. For people out there who aren't familiar with this, in a nutshell, can you tell us what it is? Sure. So it is the science of balancing the body's biochemistry. This is done using a hair mineral analysis to help us know exactly what to give in terms of vitamins, minerals, detoxification procedures, lifestyle tweaks, diet tweaks, all that to get the biochemistry working best it possibly can so the body has the most possible energy and resources to heal itself. And then using that kind of as a roadmap, the hair analysis, we then are able to peel back layers by constantly tweaking the biochemistry in the ways we want. So it's it's a process of giving the body all the resources it needs and helping eliminate, detoxify such that it has everything it needs to heal itself in deeper, deeper layers. As you know, one of the themes of this podcast is owning your own health because my wife and I, we've had quite a journey uh, with mental health. And it's really about, I think to get the best outcomes, you really have to go beyond sort of the cookie cutter surgery medication and sort of what big pharma is forcing down our collective throats. And, uh, you know, I think you've done a, a great job of treading that path. I guess the saying goes, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, obviously you've arrived at what works for you, what works for your clients in terms of finding optimal health, but it was a long road. So if you could, Kyle, I would love if you could give us a picture of what the, you know, we're looking at the after right now, right? It'd be great if you could give us a picture of what the before looked like in your, uh, in your health journey and kind of what prompted you to go down this path. 
So when I was in high school, as far as I remember, I was an, as an athlete. I, you know, I, I was pretty decently high performer, I guess you could say, but around age 16, things started to deteriorate. I didn't really understand why I was starting to feel exhausted all the time, why I was sleeping in all my classes. I felt like I was kind of disconnected from my surroundings, almost like there was this constant kind of dark cloud that was not allowing me to feel connected to myself or others or my passions. And around age 18 or 19, there was some emotional kind of trauma that came about due to some situations in my family that it almost felt like it caused the dam to burst. And then overnight, I started to develop completely terrible GI symptoms, like going to the bathroom once a week, couldn't tolerate any foods, insane inflammation. Everything I ate made me feel super inflamed. My brain fog actually got so bad that it was difficult to do basic tasks. And it was difficult to even remember the names of some of my friends. I mean, it was wow. to that point, constant anxiety and panic that made me feel like I wanted to jump out of my skin. You know, I just completely debilitated, honestly. And I ended up sleeping 12 to 13 hours a day and still felt exhausted all the time. So very quickly, I developed an absolute obsession with healing myself. Nothing else mattered. Socially, nothing else mattered. Um, even working at that point, I just didn't have the energy or the capacity to. I was just far too exhausted to. So ended up being several years of just research and mentorship trying absolutely everything I absolutely could. A lot of money wasted because of that, but also sure. a lot of knowledge gained. And the frustrating thing about it was that no matter what diet I tried, no matter what naturopath I went to, no matter what you know supplements I took, it felt like I was on a roller coaster where I'd feel a little better and a little worse, a little better, worse, until I finally started realizing that this was still a symptom-based approach, even with great Chinese medicine practitioners and naturopaths. I, I even went to a freaking dentist turned holistic healer. I mean, I went the whole spectrum, but there came a point where I, I felt like I really needed something to go at a deeper, deeper level. Get to so the I, root of the issue rather than just the symptoms. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and it's difficult to paint the full picture as well as the kind of symptom profile I was dealing with, because the more I dig into it, the more I remember it was a lot like i mean sure every kind of symptom you could imagine like yeah rat is to just everything it, it was it was a lot but eventually through fate i guess you could say i met this person who put me on to mineral nutritional balancing and hair analysis and all this and it felt like yeah. it was the missing piece because it just plugged right into all the other things i had learned about, about gut healing about pathogen elimination about you know psychological healing inner work just plugged right in and gave me great framework to ride. And once I started working with that, I actually started healing very quickly. And how far into the journey were you when you arrived at mineral balancing or I guess mineral balancing found you, however you look at it? Yeah, uh, probably found me out. So six years, six years in. Wow. Maybe so that was six years of trying all those supplements and all those different solutions, throwing things at the wall. So you yeah. they stick yeah. six years. You know, and I, there's a lot of people I see in that similar state where, you know, sure. every single day, 24 hours a day, all my mental space was consumed with trying to figure out my health issues. Right. 24 seven, there was no space for anything else. It's all I talked about. It's all I thought I lived, I breathed, I ate it. You know, one of the things that we talked about is 
you're in the healthcare space, but you had originally envisioned something different. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had originally had plans of going to medical school, becoming a doctor. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what caused you to sort of take the road less traveled, if you will, and maybe veer away from uh, conventional medicine? So once I was around 18 or 19 and I actually went to college, I was still studying biology and psychology because I was determined to go down that path to become a doctor like others in my family. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as I actually started trying to solve my own health issues and I started going to specialists, to another specialist and a specialist, gastroenterologist, neurologist, endocrinologist, like in them kind of either saying that everything looked normal and my blood work or that it was on pen or that, oh, I got this medication that I can give you. And then, you know, me having bad reactions to it or just me feeling like it, my body was just screaming, no, do not take that. I very quickly realized that this, the, the medical system right now isn't equipped to handle chronic illnesses. It's only equipped to, in my opinion, the really severe situations like you get in a car crash, break your arm, that kind of stuff. They'll take great care of you. But, you know, really healing the body at a deep level such that you don't need them, not equipped at all. And the more I went and saw more specialists, the more I saw the lack of heart that the industry has. And so yeah, it very quickly put me off from that path. So I finished my mm biology and psychology degree, and then I pursued other certifications. What you say just is so spot on because I I think healthcare these days, it's not so much the nurses or the doctors that are the culprits. By and large, they're very well-intentioned. They're very highly trained. And I think they do have, their heart is in the right place, but it's a broken system. The saying I always use is uh, it's like a pill for an ill approach where it's very transactional. Like if you have heartburn, you take Prilosec or you know, if you have uh, high blood pressure, you take Lacertin. And as you, I'm sure, can attest to, it very quickly becomes a game of whack-a-mole where it's like you're taking a drug for one symptom and then it's like another one spikes up and then you got to take that one. Pretty soon it's like this bizarre biological kaleidoscope where your body, you are completely just short-circuiting your body's healing response. And so, you know, well, that's obviously with our business with stem cell therapy, that's is the is the motive is to really harness the human body's healing capabilities rather than becoming dependent on these unnatural agents that in a lot of ways sometimes may where the as they say, the cure might be worse than the disease. It, it, it's an interesting thing that you noted, Kyle, because I'm not as far down the rabbit hole as as you are in terms of investigating all these things. But I have noticed that there is a little bit of a sort of opportunistic mindset in the natural healing community as well. I don't know what your what your thoughts are on that, if, if you found that to be the case as well. You know, I don't even think it's people's faults. I think that people are just trying to do the best they can with whatever training they have. So you say even in the medical industry, yeah, there's a lot of doctors and nurses that have great hearts, but the system is fundamentally broken. We have right. a lot of natural healers that with whatever trainings they have attempt to heal their clients. And some do get some great results, but it's very rare to find a healer that is digging at the bottom of the bucket, the things that are really impacting pretty much everyone and causing chronic illnesses to show up in different manifested forms for people, which in my opinion is going to be mainly environmental pollution. It's going to be malnutrition at a really deep level, and it's going to be 
you know, psychological imbalances. I mean, there's obviously other factors as well, but I think those are the big three. And you, you touched on something I'd like to probe a little bit deeper. You talked about, you know, environmental factors, environmental pollution. How does that impact things like mental health, things like you had shared some great studies on your uh, on your site and some of your materials about like, you know, mercury can lead to mood disorders. Tell us a little bit more about sort of how these toxins, these pollutants, what impact they have on mental health. I want to preface this by saying that, you know, we live in the most toxic times in human history. I mean, these metals are thousands of times higher than they were even a couple of decades ago. And we live in an osmotic gradient with our environment. So they will gradually permeate into us, especially if we don't live a detoxification friendly lifestyle and nourish ourselves really well. But I mean, there's so many examples. One, for example, is the pervasiveness. And this isn't even a metal, actually. This is pesticide. Monsanto, he, he ended up creating this, this poisoning of our food supply in, in a sense by introducing glyphosate as a desiccant for you know, wheat, corn, soy, all that. And it's become just really pervasive, especially among processed foods, but just food in general. And you know, glyphosate, um, I think it was Dr. Stephanie Senna that in one of her studies, one of her investigations showed that glyphosate could destroy uh, one of the pathways that microbes use to actually create the happy molecules, you know, the serotonin, mm. yeah, all that, that our gut microbes are supposed to make. Glyphosate will destroy the microbes that produce that and also damage those pathways. But I mean, it, it applies for so many metals. I mean, mercury has loads of associations with ADHD and bipolar and autism, aluminum, among neurodegenerative diseases. There's, there's, there's countless examples. And again, I don't, I don't really want to say this as a way of projecting doom because we live in a toxic right. world. I just want to bring attention to this because if people do learn how to live a detoxification friendly lifestyle. They can not only heal, but they can radically improve their overall performance and their psychological well-being. And there's a lot of evidence to support that. Well, I mean, I think that it's all about moderation and it's all about trying to strike that balance because I think to really, you know, remove ourselves from a lot of these toxic factors, whether it's, you know, you, you've talked about food, you've talked about environment. It also goes about like technology. Like if we were to go on an island somewhere with absolutely no connection to the world, that's not going to do wonders for our bank account, is it? I mean, this is a world we need to live in where there are limitations. There are, quote unquote, conveniences that have had adverse implications on us because, you know, we're eating processed foods. We're trying to do everything as quickly as possible. And our human bodies are not, we're not designed to have that type of response, to have that instant gratification. You know, I think it's as I said before, it really short circuits our nervous system. You know, I, I think that if we can find techniques to manage those, if we can find techniques, I think you had talked about if you could walk us through maybe your regimen, because correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're able to have a little bit, like you're able to have that slice of pizza once in a while or have that relatively moderate diet. So maybe if you can share some of the lifestyle choices maybe that that you're able to take advantage of you know and have a healthy lifestyle a, a balanced lifestyle as opposed to extremes uh, one way or the other it, it really depends on i think what stage a person is at it in their healing because you know if someone is very very sick and their immune system is hyper reacting to everything they will not be able to handle anything outside of a very strict diet regimen lifestyle 
But as you heal and you progress, you know, at least this was the case for me and what I've seen in my clients, but I used to not be able to eat any foods. If I missed an hour of sleep, I would be screwed the next day. Things like that would be really, really annoying. But as I detoxified my body and I rebuilt it, I found myself far more resilient, far more resilient to stress well, so I can take on a lot more in my life, but kind of also handle the occasional going out to eat with my wife type thing. I can handle the occasional, oh, well, really busy. I had to miss an hour or two of sleep, but it's important for me. So we talk about lifestyle choices. I follow kind of like an 80, 20 rule, not the crude distribution, but more like, you know, 80% of my lifestyle and my diet choices, they're really solid. They're really locked in. The other 20% is my kind of my free zone you know, where I can, right. I've had the occasional piece of cake, have the occasional, maybe drink with my wife, occasionally push the limits and, and sleep, let's say, but it's difficult to say it generally because it just depends on a person and what sure. they can handle and also what degree of performance they want to access. Because obviously the stricter you are, you are going to have higher energy and higher output, but right. then there's the cost you pay. Some people get really rigid and it becomes unhealthy. They get really scared. They get really worried because they think if they step outside of their rigid lifestyle and diets that, you know, their bodies will collapse on them. And that is right. actually the opposite of what we want. We want people to start trusting their bodies and understanding that they can lean on it. I think about ourselves, our brains as, as like the conductors in the orchestra. If you're sending messages, if you're sending programming to your body that that piece of cake is terrible and it's going to completely destroy your life and you're a horrible person if you have that body. Well, Jesus, what do you think? You know, <laughs> your body is not going to have a very favorable response to that piece of cake, right? I mean, it's going to take whatever cues you're giving it. So I do think that it's important to strike that balance where you're mindful, but you're not in this alarmist chicken little, the sky is falling type of mindset because everything has some bad element in it. And it's just like, I think, again, it's about moderation. It's not, it's about avoiding going to, uh, to either extreme. I mean, I've been in that situation before where I actually did join like Overeaters Anonymous for a little while because I had a pretty bad sweet tooth. And what was just bizarre was one night I remember my wife and I, we were going for our uh, 20th uh, anniversary and I had like a, a piece of creme brulee and it literally like destroyed my week. And so, you know, I, that's a illustration of, as I think the, the book is The Body Keeps the Score, where it's like, if you're sending these messages, if you're sending these fatalistic signals to your digestive system, then yeah, of course your, your body is going to respond in kind. Now, I, I did want to touch on one word you used, which was healing. And it sounds like with your um, mineral balancing program, you outlined there's like three stages of healing. I don't know if you could uh, kind of walk us through that a little bit. It's more of something I explain to my clients and it's just a general framework to help people understand process. The first stage would be when people actually begin their lifestyle changes, begin the initial uh you know, detoxification things. It, I call it like clearing the low hanging fruit. Sure. So that is getting rid of the stuff that is like really inflaming them right away. You know, stopping the processed foods, for example, fixing their sleep, fixing their digestion, things like taking binders to clear out a bunch of the stuff that is like right there, really inflaming the body right away. And then it's stilling these, these longer term habits, these longer term, you know, supplement programs based with the hair analysis, dietary changes, all that stuff. It's almost like 
the ship is set to sail in the direction that you want it to. And then the second stage is the actual voyage, you know, and you're going to go through layers of release as you clear out. So you clear out the initial stuff, you get results really quickly, and then you start digging into the deeper stuff. And that's where the real magic happens. So that's the second stage. And that is due to long-term consistency, discipline, even with program and living a detoxification lifestyle. But that is where people start healing back symptoms that were once there. We call it retracing. It's a really interesting phenomenon, but... The body will keep increasing its energy levels, keep increasing the resources it has, and then it will start healing itself deeper and deeper levels. And this look like returning to traumatic events in one person's life. Very interesting phenomenon, but if you pull heavy metals out, especially pull heavy metals out of the brain, it's like people become aware of that part of the brain again, and that can trigger a huge emotional release. And so it's this beautiful dance with psychological healing, inner work, you know, therapy even is great for that. And then the actual physical healing that reflects that. It's kind of like opening the Pandora's box, it sounds like, because there's a lot of things that are kind of kept suppressed for so long. And it's like, it's like with therapy, right? It's just sort of unleashing a lot of these painful but necessary events and patterns, right? Absolutely. A lot of peelers use this analogy, but like peeling back layers of the onion, perfect way to describe it. The key difference that will distinguish a healing program from a symptom-based relief program, because mm -hmm. most healing systems get really obsessed with the first stage, which is like, how can we get results quickly? How can we like just call the symptoms? The real magic happens in that second stage. And then the third stage is kind of a, it's kind of tied into the second one. So it floats back and forth a little bit, but this is where people start, they change their thoughts, their psychology, the way they see their bodies and their health such that mm -hmm. they can live a higher performing life. So I can give a concrete example of this. If you're in that second stage for a while and your, your gut has healed to a great degree to the point where you can start being a little bit more lenient, let's say, that's your choice. The third stage would be you realizing that you realizing that you actually can handle a bit more of a flexible diet, that you're not overreacting anymore. And there's a certain freedom that comes with that. Part of that third stage is that then we try to reformulate our lives in a way where we can be, you know, ideally more purpose-driven that will give us the psychological joy and fulfillment of living a purpose-filled life. And that is really important. I mean, that it's right. Because if we don't have that and we're healing just for the sake of healing, then I think we get stuck in that. We get stuck in that second stage and we never transcend it such that we can be a force of good in the world. And not everyone has to necessarily have that stage. I'm, this is more of a brain of the people that are right. very, very sick. There's not a one size fits all route through your through the program. So I was like, sure, sure. And it could be more gentle changes. People, for example, that are on the program may just be trying to optimize. They may just be like high performers that are trying to really increase their cognitive function and their energy levels. And they will, in a sense, go through those stages, but it won't be as dramatic shift. Well, and, and, and something you talked about a little bit, it kind of dovetails into a topic that you know, sometimes in this day and age where I think discussions about spirituality, people try to shy away from that just because it can be a little bit controversial sometimes. But obviously that's how you and I connected was through our respective spiritual journeys. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about how that kind of interweaves into a lot of this healing process and some of the learnings you've had along the way. You know, I can't recall the exact studies, but I do remember seeing there was a couple of studies on meditation decreasing neuroinflammation, you know, increasing neuroplasticity is, is commonly well-documented things. I would say it's a higher order 
when we implement some sort of spirituality in our lives, some sort of practice that helps us access these states, because they're really, they're states of mind that our bodies have the capacity to access and they really border on the mystical. Now for many, it's, it's difficult to access that. I think today is especially with the toxicity in the world, but it's still there. And, you know, especially if you're disciplined and worked at it, when it comes to meditation, things like breath work, the kind of shifts are, happen on a subtle level. For example, the realization that a thought pattern doesn't work for us, that, oh, I am holding myself back in this way, or I am worrying constantly about finances or about food or about this and that. Removing that through a process like meditation will then like help balance the autonomic nervous system, which will then mm -hmm. allow our bodies to better heal itself. And it's, it's a really crucial piece of the puzzle because again, we, there's a point we can get stuck between just trying to deal solely with physical healing, conventional psychotherapy. There's like this missing piece. I think it was like Carl Jung that said it's like the God size hole that people have. Jung. Yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult to describe the magic of connecting to the divine, but I find that it's really important for people to connect to it in whatever way really works for them. I mean, there's, of course, there's the studies on like heart rate variability and like parasympathetic activity and like the brain waves, like alpha, beta, theta, and mm -hmm. you know, there's associations that, that may help the detoxification process that may help cells be better nourished with the food that you give it. And so there's just, there's a lot of effects. It's kind of mm -hmm. difficult to pinpoint just one. And that ties into another thing that um, you and I are both very interested in, and that's uh, breath work. For people who aren't maybe as familiar as you and I, maybe I'd love to hear more about your journey with breath work, maybe how you've applied it with clients, and maybe some of the benefits that uh, that you've seen. For me, the benefits were really nervous system based. So mm -hmm. I needed something to help balance my my stress response and my ability to relax. When we are stressed out all the time, that blocks detoxification. We see that on the hair test known as a, it's a pattern known as sympathetic dominance. So that's when mm -hmm. potassium falls beneath a certain level. Um, this is reflective of just the body just stressed out all the time. And that's a very common pattern that will completely block detoxification and make healing very difficult because we're constantly using our resources, you know, catabolic instead of building them back up. So right. now for me, meditation and breath work uh, on that level really help to break that pattern and bring balance into my nervous system such that I can relax deep enough to continue healing, but also access high levels of performance when I need to turn my nervous system up. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's great for, for digestion. Funny enough, different breathwork techniques, the way they massage the organs of elimination, uh, especially things like constipation, just physical modalities that put people on, but breathwork can be really important. And it can just be as simple as deep belly breathing throughout the day, mm -hmm. you know, so that's all people need. They don't need to go through an hour and a half journey with music and shamanic drums and a freaking right. hollow <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right. It's going to be pretty simple, but the breath is very powerful for sure. And is it something that you incorporate uh, with your clients uh, through Jyoti Mineral Balancing, like if that you incorporate into your program, or is it something that you have your mineral balancing practice and then you do breath work coaching on the, uh, separately, or how, how does it all sort of tie together? For a while, I was doing mainly, I was doing both. I was doing breathwork coaching. I was doing events. I was guiding people through sessions. I was teaching them techniques. I, I got initiated into uh, a lineage from Rishikesh, India. that taught me mm -hmm. okay. pranayamas. These are essentially pranayamas, control of life force. So it's breath techniques. I found it gave me a lot of benefit 
But eventually I found that it's not the area of expertise I wanted to truly focus on. I felt like for me, I wanted to really put all my energy into, you know, the mineral balancing, the detoxification for people. Mm-hmm. Helpful that it's, it is important to have some sort of practice. So with my clients, if they ask or if they're open to it, I will show them a technique or two. For the most part, I just point them to really simple ones. I'll be like, you know, look up Nadi Shodana online, look up off online, you know, look up breath of fire online, whatever it is that may be more relevant to them. Especially with people that don't have a daily practice set up, it's really important to just be as simple as possible so people can start getting the little fruits, the little taste of it. Hey, you know, do this breathwork technique for five minutes, sit in silence for a couple minutes, and then just see how you feel afterwards. And then approaching it like that can cause people to have more of a positive feedback loop. They feel the benefit of it, and then they will gradually grow their practice. What I like about it, one of our guests, actually a friend of mine from high school, but he's become very immersed in yoga and he teaches all over the world. He's taught in like Bali and Mysore, India. But the expression he used was for breath work, he called it a pocket-sized parachute. And I love that analogy because when you think about it, like if you're in traffic or if you're in a stressful meeting or you just got that really incendiary email that just you know, will send you into orbit, you've got this technique right there. And, and I'd say the simple one, the easiest one for me would be box breathing, where it's just like, I always say, if you know how to breathe and you know how to count, you've already mastered meditation, right? You've already mastered breath work because literally you just put those two together and the effects that you can have. I mean, as I'm sure you know, box breathing, the organization that's been most associated with is uh, the Navy SEALs, you know, because it's like when they're about to engage in these high stress scenarios that really they need to be performing at their optimal level, that's a technique that will get them primed for performing at that level. And so that's what I, I totally agree on. I was talking to somebody who runs a uh, holistic counseling podcast. And, you know, what we were talking about is There's a continuum when it comes to mental health, when it comes to therapy. You can go for one-hour sessions every week and go through cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very valuable. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, medication is is part of that. But it is so valuable. It is such a gift to have these techniques at your disposal, where, as I mentioned, if you're at the DMV and you're stressed out beyond belief, just connecting with your breath, just sort of pressing pause on life, as they say, you know, it can really yield some some beneficial outcomes. And it would be nice, I think, if more people would take time out of their day. I mean, it's like, I don't understand how people <laughs> can't make like five or 10 minutes in their day, you know, just to tune in with themselves, especially if they know the benefits that it's going to offer them, you know? You know, on that, it's really funny. There, there's two quotes that I've heard, which are really funny. One, I don't remember who was it that actually said it, but it was, you can't meditate for 20 minutes. You need to meditate for two hours. There was uh, actually Martin Luther King said this other one, but I believe it was, I am so busy that I need to pray for three hours today. Mm. You know, I have so much to do that I have to pray for three hours today. And it's just this magic of doing less and bringing cohesion to our inner space will make us so much more effective. This illusion of needing to run around and fill every moment of our lives with productivity is slowly burning us out and is reducing our longevity and is also making us far less effective. When we tune in and really organize our minds and calm our nervous systems, we can go into the world with a lot more power and a lot more precision. It's so apropos because the analogy I always always think about also is like, it's like an impressionist painting, right? 
where if you go up really close and you see all the specs and all the imperfections, it can be very jarring and overwhelming. But then after you do some meditation, some deep breathing, it's almost like you are widening your panorama. You, you have a broader vista, so to speak. You're not losing the forest for the trees. Well, I actually, I wanted to bring something up that is actually not very well known. And it's a very important thing to consider today. But so we're talking about the impact of heavy metals and pollutants on mental health and psychology. Mm -hmm. It has a huge impact on our ability to enter these states of minds as well. A very common thing I see is that when people do detoxify their bodies really, really well and they clear out, I mean, there's a lot of studies, for example, on mercury and lead damaging heart rate variability, which is a great indicator of the balance of our nervous systems that would help us enter these states. Great studies on selenium and zinc increasing heart rate variability and making sure we're well nourished in that will help us access these states. It is a huge roadblock though for people. And if they understand the basics of a detoxification friendly lifestyle and clear their bodies out and purify it, it can be a lot easier to meditate, really. It can be a lot easier to be in a meditative state all the time. Things like copper imbalance, which is so, so mm -hmm. common today, tends to create so much anxiety and cause people's logic minds to spin out of control when really we should be more empty-minded most of the time, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, just have inner space such that when we do think it's with a little bit more precision instead of this constant crazy train going on. I don't know if you've read Altered Traits by uh, Richie Davidson. They just talk about like the study about things like meditation and brainwave function. But what they found is just that monks who meditate uh, for, for hours and days, they are actually achieving the highest, uh, highest frequency of thought, which is gamma. And so that's why I've had a couple of guests on here. We've talked about how more corporations are incorporating uh, mindfulness and meditation practice into their employee wellness programs because yes, there is some altruism to it, but if it can boost your profits, it can help your quarterly earnings. It behooves you to introduce this practice to your employees. You know, what's kind of magic about that too, naturally as people, at least with a lot of meditation practices, will gradually become more compassionate, you know, and that's exactly what we need in corporate America. Nice little sure. nice. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any like thought leaders in this space that have resonated with you or maybe people who have been a good source of guidance or inspiration? I mean, whether they're well-known or not, I mean, if you can share about mineral balancing as well as like breathwork meditation. Sure. So Dr. Pollack, in terms of mm. mineral balancing, he is a, he's a brilliant biochemist who essentially over 50, 60 years was the main one that was taking all these hair samples, like um, hundreds of thousands of them, I think almost millions at, these, at this point, and mm -hmm. you know, creating this huge database drawing associations between mineral patterns and ratios and levels and like, you know, states of health transfer conditions, psychological states, all that. You can get a profound understanding of the impact of minerals and vitamins and tweaking all that and creating really, really deep healing. So he, in terms of mineral nutritional balancing, absolutely the person to study and research. He has a, a book you can find for free online called Energy. I think it's Energy. This is Paul Eck, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll put his information in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So phenomenal information. He passed away several years ago, but you know, this legend still lives on. Besides that, I mean, there's a lot of leaders in this space in terms of really, really deep healing. People like Dr. Klinghart are really just dealing with the sickest people on the planet and applying 
the most fringe methods that are really, really scientifically based to get incredible results with people. So things like autism, Alzheimer's, she sees a lot of cases like that. And, you know, more in the meditation space, there's, there's some good ones like James Nestor, his book on, mm. on Brett. Yeah, it's, that's yeah, great. It's called Breathe, right? Yeah, it's a great a um, little bit more on the yogic side, there's Swami Rama. He wrote a book, uh, I think it was The Science of Breathing as well. So that's pretty interesting. I love Joe Dispenza's work as well. Mm. His is like with conjunction with the HeartMath Institute really shows some mechanisms as to how, you know, meditation practices and more energetic meditation practices. Because that's something I do want to mention as well. Uh, meditation often isn't even necessarily about relaxing. I think it's more about increasing our charge because we want to awaken as people. We don't want to fall deeper asleep in a nice little cozy, relaxed thing. It's it's an active right. process. We want to see yeah. the illusions that we carry. Yeah. And there's another guy you might want to check out, Jose Silva. He's done the Silva method. And the thing that's so powerful of that, and you're so right, and I, I'm glad you brought that up about meditation, because a lot of times people think meditation is about sitting cross-legged, saying om, and yes, that is a big part of it, and, and tuning out the clutter, but there is this creative visualization, there is this problem-solving component to it that I don't think gets the uh, attention and the focus that it's due. Because going back to what we were saying earlier is, yeah, I think corporations are starting to wake up and smell the coffee about how this stuff can be help can help its employees collaborate better and and just tune out a lot of the noise but with Jose Silva the interesting thing his method i guess it's really about like thinking about a radio when you're you know you're driving your car and you're hearing a radio and and you're going through like mountains there's a lot of static the best analogy i can use for that kind of meditation is it's really like tuning your mind so that you're tuning out a lot of that static and that interference and you're getting more tuned into your intuition and your, you know, your inner being and your problem solving abilities. One of my teachers described it as like tuning an instrument for the day. So throughout the day, making a beautiful sound, making beautiful music, not completely out of tune. You had alluded to some studies, Kyle. And as I said, for anyone who's listening, uh, Check out Kyle's site. He's got some incredible studies that talk about mineral balancing and the benefits. But is there any particular study, it doesn't have to be about mineral balancing, it could be about breath work or, or meditation as well. But is there any specific study that you came across and it was very illuminating? And maybe if you could share that, and I would, what I would say is maybe the Spark Notes version of it, rather than getting into a lot of uh, vernacular and jargon. It's so it's it's a big puzzle, you know, and right. each each study is going to plug in. It's going to give a little bit of a one shows a mechanism as to how this might work. It's difficult mm -hmm. to point just one. There is a really interesting one, and it's not even about a mineral balancing, but it is called the pineal gland, a structural and functional enigma. It is one of the mm -hmm. most fascinating analysis I have ever come across, and it goes really deep into the mechanisms and the science behind the pineal gland and how it it really functions in the brain, how it seems to be almost like a satellite receiver for frequencies of light through isoelectric properties and what melatonin can actually do is melatonin is, you know, there's a lot of, the, I mean, there's hundreds of studies on melatonin in terms of being pretty much a miracle molecule for things like cancer, for things like chelating every single heavy metal known to man, reducing inflammation, healing our mitochondria. I mean, there's so much to dig into there, but maybe one that is a little bit more interesting. It's it's about the relationship between mercury and selenium and the mechanisms that it actually has in the brain. The higher levels of selenium is correlated with lower levels of neurodegenerative diseases, 
you know, higher cognitive mm-hmm. function later into life. It's mainly perhaps due to these seleno proteins that are in the brain. The mechanism of toxicity of mercury, which is again, pervasive in our environment due to air pollution and you know, things like amalgam fillings and fish and all that stuff, is that mercury will actually displace selenium from these seleno proteins, damaging them and then also damaging neurons as a result. And what's really interesting about selenium is that this is more anecdotal, but it seems to have a correlation with higher cognitive function. At least that's what I see when my clients improve their selenium status. It's almost like they're able to think a little bit more multi-dimensionally. And Mm. there's the correlations between that, like selenium and neurodegenerative diseases that might allude to that. But this is something I see a little bit more experientially. And, you know, mercury is absolutely devastating for the brain. And it's in a lot of things. It's in a lot of medical procedures, which I won't really mention. But it's very fascinating to me to see that the way it can damage essentially higher thinking. And that's why it's correlated with things like autism, mercury poisoning. Is there any one particular client or case study, I guess you could call it, that maybe you can point to that maybe show the the benefits of uh, the Jyoti mineral balancing program? Sure. I have a couple. Um, you know, I have one client who had chronic insomnia for his entire life. And, you know, through detoxification of the brain, we were able to to solve that and get him uh, him and his brain working better. There was one of my clients who had a spiritual awakening straight up through detoxification. It felt like he had met God in his own life. And it's, it's a really beautiful story. It's on my website, but the, the results can really be varied. When you work at a deep level like that, I mean, it can show up in a lot of ways. And sometimes you're not even aware of it. You know, it almost becomes like your new reality. It might've been, and you, you touched on this earlier, where it's like, there's so much good in your life that sometimes we don't take stock of it because we are so enmeshed and we're so mired in the busyness and the day-to-day and those notifications that maybe it's just a matter of turning up the dial or just adjusting the TV set and really seeing the colors, the hues, and absorbing how much you truly have. And that's why, you know, this could be another episode in of itself, but gratitude at the end of the day is really just, it's quite a miracle. It can really go a far way in terms of not just improving your mental health, but your physical symptoms as well. So Kyle, as you know, the title of this show is Untether Your Life. And I think that's something that you've done an incredible job of because you were on a path, you sort of had it, quote unquote, you had like, I don't want to simplify and say you had it all, but you talk about like how, you know, you had a very promising athletic career. You had everything people could ask for, but then in reality, there was just a lot of turmoil. And then as you said, the dam burst and forced you to go on a journey and you've come out on the other end, finding an approach, you know, to owning your health and breaking free of what I would call the templates for finding a promising career and journey in in healthcare. So I think you've done an incredible job of that. How would you advise the listener how they can untether their life? Well, you know, first off, listen to this podcast. That's a great first stop. I really believe that it's important for us to find a way to constantly tune in with ourselves and then be aware when we're not in tune with that because, you know, we have this inner guidance system that'll guide us to the right decisions, that'll guide us to the right healing paths, the right career choices. But we need to constantly be listening to that in every moment, every day, every decision. That is a beautiful path to freedom, in my opinion. More on the physical side, There are some basic things that a lot of people can do right away. I have a free guide on my website that talks a lot about that in depth. I really just try to give as much general stuff as possible that people can take and apply and get some really good results. But in a nutshell, there's things like sauna therapy constantly that, I mean, there's studies shown that the more people use the sauna, the longer they live. 
period, point blank. Just the more they used it throughout the week, the longer they lived. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they may be due to the detoxification effect, among others. But there's that. Things like binders, phenomenal. Talking about things like zeolite, modified citrus pectin, even chlorella. These kind of things, especially if they're sourced well, as you have to make sure you source them well. It's a great, great entry-level detoxification point. They're like magic vacuums for heavy metals, for healing the gut, and they they get results very, very quickly. They bond to that first stage, clearing the low-hanging fruit. But yeah, I have, again, more free, free goodies that people can kind of just check out on my website. There's a guide there, like I mentioned. But ultimately, if you want to pee free, you have to kind of listen to that guidance. If people want to work with you or connect with you, where should they go? You could just go directly to my website. It's going to be uh, jyotimineralbalancing.com. So uh, J-Y-O-T-I and then mineralbalancing.com. Jyoti is a, if you're curious, a little information on that. Jyoti is a Sanskrit word that means essence and light and shining, but especially essence. And this just relates to my own conviction that when we purify the body and balance it and rejuvenate it, that our essence better shines through. I love that. I was actually, I, I wish I'd asked that earlier about what the significance of Jyoti is because it's a common name in my culture and in, in Indian culture. I had never known that that was the meaning of that word. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and how about on uh, social media? Social media, um, Instagram, you can go at Kyle underscore Peche, P-E-C-H-E. I'm on TikTok as well. I make videos there. Uh, so that would be just at JLTMineralBalancing.com. And yeah, about it. Well, thanks so much, Kyle. This was a great discussion. I really appreciate it. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that episode. For more of these types of conversations, please visit us at untetheryourlife.co. You can also find us on Instagram at untetheryourlife, as well as on Apple, Spotify, and other platforms by searching for Untether Your Life. And if you did enjoy this episode, please leave us a review or share it with someone who might also benefit. Thanks, and until the next time we meet, stay untethered.